Hello, everyone. I'm Sindhu Bloom, and you're listening to PwC's Tax Readiness podcast series. And this interview was originally filmed as a Policy on Demand episode. I'm going to state the obvious here and say that we all seem to be traveling on a road marked with uncertainties. Add in the lingering impact of the pandemic and new rules and expectations, and you have an unpredictable journey. For questions about U.S. and global tax policy, we sat down with two of our leaders to get some insight. Ken Kuykendall, PwC's U.S. tax leader and consulting leader, who was with me in our Washington, D.C. studio, and joining us from London, Carol Stebbings, PwC's global leader for tax and legal services. Here's the interview with Carol and Ken. Welcome to you both. Hi, Sindhu. Great, Great to see you. Great to see you. Thank you. Um, so let's get started. International rules, that we've, we've had a slew of them, OECD from the U.S. Carol, let me start with you. Um, can you talk about, from a global perspective, in discussions with clients, what specific concerns or issues are you hearing expressed the most by companies? And I'll go to you first and then Ken. Sure. Thanks, Indu, and thanks so much for having me. You know, COVID-19 has really accelerated the pace and scale of transformation and change, and it's created a fundamentally different context for our clients and for businesses as a whole. And the actions that have been taken by governments across the globe in response to this crisis to support individuals, to support businesses, to support economies has been truly significant. And it seriously impacted funding and debt levels for both governments, but also for societies. So the role tax policy has played throughout this crisis, but it will also continue to play a huge role in really addressing this front of mind, both for governments, but also for businesses. And I think, you know, while there might be slight variations between regions or industries, Businesses globally are telling us that they're being challenged by the pace, the scale and the complexity of change. And they're having to navigate all of this in the current environment. And when we look at the international tax landscape over the last 12 months, as you said, we've had a myriad of different changes. And we've seen real progress on things like pillars one and pillars two discussions and consensus reached in a global minimum tax. But this agreement, I think, is a really important milestone. But there are so many things that we need to be worked through in terms of practical hurdles and how this is going to be implemented. It's going to be hugely complex. And I think in October last year, we were in Barcelona with over 70 of our European clients for our global tax symposium. And when I speak to those clients, they're really grappling with managing the sheer number of tax policy changes, both locally, but also globally. But they're also grappling with how do they prepare their function for the future, whether that's the tax function, the legal function, or the HR function. And we know that over the next three to five years, companies expect more of their in-house work to be outsourced or delivered as managed services. So the world of work has also radically shifted. We talk a lot about the great resignation. But but I think what's really different today is that for the first time in modern history, we can currently face a worldwide shortage of critical skills, unprecedented economic rebalancing, and a renewed focus on the meaning of work. So, you know, aside from the plague, the Renaissance and the Industrial Revolution, the world has rarely seen such a systemic shift 
in the nature of work and dynamics between employee employers. So with the great resignation, many companies are really facing workforce challenges and our clients really also have that as front of mind. So it's really critical that companies rethink and reconfigure how they work and where and what they do for their workforce to enable them to keep that strategy. All right, Ken. Yeah, so I, listen, I think Carol did a nice job of covering the, the waterfront here from a standpoint of some of the macro issues that are out there. When I think about it from a standpoint of just global tax policy and some of the developments that you listed off when we started this discussion, which there are many, um, you know, the things that, that concern me are, one, just trying to get Pillar 2 implemented across the globe right now and the challenges that uh, presents. The European Union has obviously put forward some draft rules around how they might go ahead and implement that, but the devils are going to be in the details as it, get, as it gets implemented across countries. From a U.S. perspective, we started to try and move forward with that. It was embedded in the Build Back Better uh, legislation, which has sort of hit a little bit of a... Uh, a headwind as it's tried to move forward. And so I think there's some concern within the client space I talk about as to what happens in the U.S. if we don't go ahead and implement Pillar 2 legislation and the rest of the world moves forward. So there's just this uncertainty element related to that. And then Carol's right, there's been a lot of progress made if you think about the OECD and what's happened as it relates to both Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 and trying to reach an international framework. But Pillar 1 doesn't get talked about a lot, and I think there's a lot of challenges to trying to implement that. I think it's going to require amendments to treaty provisions. As you know, Sindhu, from this, this program, it's very hard sometimes in the U.S. to get treaty changes through. So I worry sometimes that we get everything settled on Pillar 2 and we don't move as far forward as, far forward as Pillar 1, and then we have to deal with the consequences of that. Right, right. So let, I want to switch and stay with you, Ken. I want to switch over to regu, reg, the regulatory realm. So... The demands on companies from that perspective are also great. So what are you talking about with respect to regulations? So, listen, I, I think there's potentially, as I look at it from a U.S. lens, there's going to continue to be a lot of regulatory actions as it relates to the digital economy, all those different pieces. So I think companies are going to have to deal with that. I do think some of the biggest challenges are going to come from implementation of some of the rules that we just talked about right now and what needs to happen. So if you look at sort of pillar one, pillar two, international frameworks, um, even looking at U.S. legislation and trying to implement some of that, it's going to be incredibly complex for people to deal with. Um, trying to calculate a minimum tax on a country-by-country -country basis, right. very, very difficult to go through. And so I think it's going to require a lot of focus for companies looking at um, what their system potential is, their ability to use technology as a differentiator to work through this stuff, their ability to leverage service providers and other entities to sort of help them with it. There's going to be a surge in the amount of work that needs to be done and a lot of complexity related to that. And we're in an environment, as Carol just articulated, where it's not like talent is around the corner right now. There's, there's a lot of difficulty in trying to find talent. And budgets aren't necessarily increasing everywhere either for our tax clients. So there's a lot of how do you do more with less right now or more with same and how do you deal with all those complexities. So it's almost a vice that, that you're going to see hitting our clients trying to navigate all these pieces. And it comes through in our... CEO survey that we've done. It comes through in some of our, our client pulse survey work that we've been do doing lately. Mm -hmm. Just that dealing with the complexity and the uncertainty that's out there that Carol articulated, trying to actually operationally deal with all these pieces in an environment where talent is really constricted. So I think regulatory environment will only add to that, but I think just purely the legislative environment and what's going to happen at this point is going to create just a, a increased work burden for our, for our clients. 
Okay, and Carol, I'd like to get your response. Um, and after that, I'd like to throw in a question about workforce. Uh, but Carol, your response to the regulatory question. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with, with what Ken was saying there. I mean, if you take carbon taxes or even pillar two, you know, before co companies can even calculate the tax impact of these changes, they actually need to get access to the right data. So for many companies, they can't currently get the access to the data that they need from their reporting systems to, to kind of calculate that impact. So it's not just about modeling and scenario planning, it's also about ensuring the ERP and reporting systems are fit for purpose to really provide those companies with the data that they need for tax purposes. This is gonna be a huge challenge. And I also think, you know, increased regulatory requirements, it's also coming at a time where we're seeing increased digitization of tax administrations. So the need to have systems that are fit for purpose to comply with all the regulatory requirements will be really paramount. We did a survey quite recently and, um, you know, three quarters of companies really struggle to actually cope with the volume of regulatory changes, really struggle to cope with getting access to the relevant data and are very concerned that they may not be able to meet their regulatory requirements because they don't have the tools or the data or the information in order to do that. So, you know, as Ken said, that companies are going to require a huge amount of support and help to kind of navigate through this plethora of change that, that's really coming at us thick and fast. So, Carol, let me throw in a question here, and I'd like to start with you. Um, you both have mentioned workforce in your answers so far, and I want to find out, the companies you're speaking with, how much of a pain point is the Great Resignation turnover, and how are companies coping? Look, Sindhu, it's a massive, massive pain point, and a lot of organizations are struggling to meet their customer demands, meet their business needs, to grow their business because they physically don't have enough talent with the right skill sets to do that. So it's really dampening business growth and business opportunity for a number of organizations. Now, there isn't a magic bullet because if there was, then everybody would be doing it. But, but I think you know the, the real relationship through this crisis between employer and employee has fundamentally shifted. So the employee has a much stronger voice and they're demanding more from their employer. So, so, you know, a lot of organizations, we've seen huge inflation in wages. Um, so, you know, that's, that's an increased cost to the employer. And, and actually the reskilling and upskilling of their people to make sure that they can deliver the work that they need to be doing in a completely different environment. I think what it's also doing though, is a lot of organizations are rethinking how work gets done and who does that work. So we've seen a huge uptick in things like managed services. Um, we've seen a lot of organizations actually think about their portfolio and what's core to their business and what isn't. And if it's not core, either thinking about selling that off or if it's a back office function, getting somebody else to deliver that for them. So a lot of organizations are really fundamentally rethinking their strategy and rethinking how they can cope in this environment because it's not gonna go away anytime soon. And that war for talent is only gonna get greater. Ken. Yeah, listen, I, th I agree with Carol. Uh, I think if you look at tax specifically and look at what's happening right now, there is an issue with maintaining talent right now. I mean, they're, they're, everyone's experiencing turnover right now. 
Um, and a lot of people are moving to do different things even outside of tax right now. So it, it is a challenge that everyone's trying to navigate. Carol rightfully uh, states that I think that the contract with employees is changing a little bit. And when you think about what that means, it means increased pay, it means increased benefits, it means increased investment in employees, and trying to think about what you can do to maintain your workforce. Um, I do think, to Carol's point, it puts some pressures on profitability given what's going on right now. But I think the companies that I'm speaking with are really trying to look at the long-term side of this. So not only the compensation side, but how can we attract and retain employees by sort of investing in them and also having our purpose sort of touch what their values are. So you see a lot more focus on things like ESG, right. a lot more focus on areas that really resonate with the workforce right now, particularly the younger workforce right now, and trying to engage through that lens in addition to investing in employees, focusing on upscaling of employees. We've talked about tax overall. A lot of the success in tax going forward is gonna be having employees that really can handle digitized work that can do things in an automated way that can use bots that can use different tools to be able to deliver work that's an opportunity to invest in the workforce and sort of move them up the chain and really help them create more value in themselves so i do see an incredible focus on this i don't see it getting any time better and any better anytime soon i think it's a very very difficult thing for our clients to navigate but it's those lenses that I just push that I see people looking at. It's not just the pay side, although pay is part of it. It's how do you invest in the workforce and how do you connect with the workforce through sort of aligning values. And speaking of values, and you mentioned ESG um, and trust. So ESG has just become an intrinsic part of a company's thought process. So where does tax play a role in that? Yeah, I, I will say tax plays an incredibly important role if you think about what's going on from an ESG standpoint. Pretty much every element of the ESG focus has got a huge sort of tax overlay. So if we think about sort of what's happening from an environmental standpoint and everybody looking at net zero commitments and all sorts of things that are happening, um, that involves a whole lot of tax elements involved in there. Um, it involves rethinking supply chains. It involves all sorts of things where companies will actually bring their tax strategy into play and try and make sure that they're thinking about it through that lens. Also, a lot of those environmental elements bring with them credits, incentives that the government's providing for them for clean energy, all sorts of things that will cause the tax function to get closer to the business strategy if you think about ESG and trying to bring those elements together. So I think that's an important part of this. Um, when I think about the transparency elements that are out there, probably one of the most significant ways that companies demonstrate sort of the public good is by looking at the amount of taxes they pay. And there's gonna be a lot of transparency related to taxes overall as we think about these things. Um, public country by country reporting, some of the other things that you've talked about. When you piece that all together, I think companies are gonna be increasingly challenged with trying to manage how they meet those transparency requirements that are out there, but also manage um, what they're communicating to the public at whole and, and their shareholders. And then just the overall ESG element is embracing that um, business has responsibility to a variety of stakeholders. Business doesn't just have a responsibility to shareholders in, in these days. And so um, tax is, again, a key component of that, that transparency element, investing in clean energy, all those different pieces. So I see tax really tightly linked in with the, the ESG strategy of organizations and tax functions needing to be a key part of how the companies are navigating those. All right, and Carol, your thoughts on the role of tax in ESG? Yeah, look, I completely agree with what Ken's just outlined there. I think tax has got a hugely important role to play 
in both the well in all three right the e the s and the g if we think about tax reporting and transparency we know that that's only going to increase and i think most of the esg reporting frameworks include metrics around tax reporting but but i also think as businesses kind of navigate new taxes green taxes incentives the tax department has a fundamental role in helping businesses do that and business leaders do that and then I think thirdly, tax departments have a really important role to play more broadly around the ESG strategy. So it's really important, as Ken said, that tax functions and tax directors are intimately connected with the chief sustainability officers, the broader C-suite, really to ensure that all of the strategies are aligned. You know, it's, it's great that so many businesses are making commitments and reporting further on the E and the S of the, of the ESG. But businesses need to ensure that positive ESG actions are aligned to and not at odds with their tax strategy. So aligning tax strategy, whether that's through transparency, making sure that that's aligned with the business strategy, I think is, is really critical. Let's let's move out of the um, tax department and into the C-suite broadly. And from a macro level, what challenges globally are you seeing companies facing? Yeah, so I mean, you know, we've touched on ESG and the role of, of the tax function. I think at a macro level, you know, despite rising interest in ESG, strategy is still primarily driven by business metrics. So, you know, in our 25th PwC Global CEO survey, it showed that only 13% of CEOs have the targets around climate outcomes in their annual bonus or long-term incentive plans, for example. And only eight have targets relating to diversity. On decarbonisation, our survey showed that only 22% of CEOs have made net zero commitments. So there's still a huge amount that organisations need to do in that space. But I think multinationals are also responding to the greater societal expectations of business. Ken mentioned before that you know businesses don't just um, you know aren't held just accountable by their their shareholders. They're also held accountable by their broader broader stakeholders. And the 2022 Edelman Trust Barometer that, that gets published every year, you know, business remains the most trusted institution with governments and media seen as the least trusted. So, so I think many businesses are grappling with what that means for them. So how do they engage with their stakeholders to build trust? What does this mean for businesses around transparency and accountability? Whether that be around supply chain, workforce, climate, or other non-financial measures. So, you know, I think it's I think it's really important that actually businesses, although they have short-term goals and profitability goals that they're trying to get to, that they do take that longer-term view. And I know that a lot of the C-suites that I talk to are really grappling with how do you make progress on those medium to long-term goals without impacting the short-term profitability of the organization that they're working with today. Ken. Yeah, so I think Carol outlined the, the primary items that are out there. If I look at it um, from a, a lens that we're seeing out of some of the survey data, listen, one of the things Carol didn't mention but is out there is inflationary concerns, right? So everyone is concerned about what's happening from an inflationary standpoint and how that's going to impact things like supply, demand, et cetera. 
Um, there are supply chain concerns going on right now, particularly driven by the pandemic and the ability to sort of move goods and make things available. Against all that, we've talked, you've got rising wage costs, all sorts of pieces there, and also just trying to find talent to, to achieve your corporate objectives. So you piece all those things together, it's a really dynamic environment. And we headline this talking about all the uncertainty that's out there. So all those pieces are there. A lot of my conversations these days with the broader sort of C-suite involve with all that known quantity and everything we're trying to deal with, how do we move forward with our business from a standpoint of transforming the business and addressing where we want to be? And so Carol hit on this, and I think of the, a lot of the where we want to be involves driving our digital strategy, moving the company forward from that standpoint, rethinking products and the things that we want to do in light of coming out of the pandemic and all the pieces that have gone on, trying to accomplish all those pieces, and then addressing the societal demands that exist out there related to ESG. So how do I move all those forward with that uncertain environment? It's, it's a really complex environment for people to navigate right now, but I do see a key threshold being a lot of transformation efforts going on by companies and particularly a lot of focus on the digital transformation, just given the movement to cloud, all those different pieces that are happening. So um, there's a lot of thinking, there's a lot happening, but there's also a lot of uncertainty that people are navigating. Absolutely, and so you've both talked about uncertainties, challenges, and the work that lies ahead. So we like to end with a call to action and next steps for companies. So Ken, I'll start with you. Um, we're talking at the end of January, and as you look at you know, our time ahead this year, what are some next steps that you would have for companies? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna sort of pivot off of everything that we've talked about here. And we've talked about complexity, we've talked about not having sufficient workforce to get things done, increased burden in reporting, complexity, uncertainty, all those pieces. And there's a lot of corporate initiatives going on right now to address digital strategy. A lot of initiatives going on looking at deals, a lot of trying to address overall transformation. There's an opportunity for tax to insert themselves into those transformation efforts that are going on to achieve the tools they need to thrive in that environment going forward and to be able to, to manage all those competing objectives they have. So investing in the digital strategy will enable people to better handle some of the reporting obligations that are going on globally. If you invest in that, you might get the data that you need coming out of there to comply with all these global minimum taxes, right? Um, investing in all of those elements might help you from a standpoint of monetizing benefits that come from credits, et cetera, that, that can essentially lower the cost of the overall transformation initiative. So I see this incredible opportunity for tax to increase their profile within the organization by providing value to the organization and also achieve the uh, objectives of the tax function by trying to get data quicker, get data in a way that will help facilitate some of this reporting because as we talked about before, budgets likely aren't going up it's really hard to find talent, so you gotta find new ways to get work done when the workload itself is not shrinking. So my biggest takeaway for companies, my big advice is lean into transformation, find the role that tax can play as part of transformation, and glean the value that you can from that. Okay, Carol? Yeah, I, again, I'm in violent agreement with, with Ken there. I mean, I, I think a couple of calls to action for me. One is rethink and reconfigure. So whether it's your supply chain, your workforce transformation, or digitally enabling the work that you do, businesses won't be able to respond to the challenges of tomorrow without reshaping and reconfiguring the business that they have today. And tax has a pivotal role to play in that. That also applies, I think, as well, in terms of how work gets done 
and who does that work. So the whole digitization, automation, offshoring, really a lot of organizations need to be looking at that very seriously. The, the second one I would say, Sindhu, is don't wait, be prepared and plan. So there is a lot of uncertainty and that will remain. And, and many details are still to be confirmed, particularly around pillars one, pillars two. But the direction of travel and the momentum is clear around certain topics. So we know from an ESG perspective, increased tax transparency and reporting, and pillars one and two, green taxes and incentives. So, so really scenario plan for the challenges and also the disruption that's to come. Carol, thank you so much for this conversation and for being here and taking the time. Thank you so much, Sindhu. It's been a real pleasure and thanks so much for having me. And Ken, always great to have you back in the studio. Yeah, great conversation, Cindy. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this Policy on Demand interview with Carol Stubbings and Ken Kuykendall. Just like a lot of things in our lives right now, tax policy and regulations are changing. Stay with Policy on Demand and PwC's Tax Readiness webcast series for the latest insight and analysis on changes coming from Washington and around the world. And don't miss PwC's Tax Policy Outlook, now available on our website and the link in this episode's description. That does it for us today. Take care, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.